for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass, this podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this incredible day. We're here not because of us, but we're here because of you. We could ask you for a number of things, but your presence is already here. That is the most important thing. So when your presence is here, our requests just don't matter anymore. Because if we could get into your presence, we'll have everything that we need. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Some of us went all week without it and the world got so heavy, but your presence makes things lighter. So now that we've been into your presence, our hearts are open. You have fashioned us and we have worshiped and cried and danced and shouted so that it has done the necessary work to our hearts so that we can be open enough to receive. So Lord, plant in us and transplant in us and through us. Take out what doesn't belong and put in what you want there. And anoint me that I might do what you've called me to do so that that can happen. And we thank you for the result in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God a great big hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to two scriptures this morning. The book of Exodus, the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. And the book of Romans, the 5th chapter. Exodus, the 13th chapter. And the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. Book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. And the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. We're going to spend some time in both of those. Man, I am so excited to be here, fam. Like, I am tripping out to be back. It's been way too long. And I am so glad to be here at my home away from home. Y'all look good, man. Y'all look good. I'm getting older, but y'all getting cuter, fam. Y'all really are. You better do it. I don't know what you're doing, but do it. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it because you look good. It's so good to be here, man. It, it really is. I love this church and, and, you know, pastor gasses me up like nobody else. If you're not a young person, you don't know what that means. Let me reach back to you. Let me get the other 500 folks I miss. Pastor hypes me up like nobody else. Sometimes I want to pay him and take him on the road with me. He just... It makes me way better than I actually am. Pastor will say such nice things about me. It actually makes me feel taller. And I really like that. I really like that. <laughs> I went to the doctor a couple of days ago. It was only my second or third visit with him as my primary care physician. And, you know, you do the first few visits, you decide whether or not you're going to stay with somebody. And primary care physician was reading off some of my vitals. And he said, yeah, all right. So it looks like you're 5'6". I was like, you are a prophet. You're a man of God. I am going to stay with you forever because... I'm pretty sure the reality is I'm five, four and a half, but I'm going to receive five, six by faith. 
and then if I'm a good steward over it, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and it's going to come back as 5-7. Oh, Baba, I feel that. Pray with me as the Lord continues to work miracles. But Dr. Thomas makes me feel so good about myself. Can we celebrate the incredible man of God that he is, Dr. Thomas? I really look up to him. I consider him one of my fathers in the gospel. And of course, no man of God would be anything without the genius and the intelligence and the consistency and the wisdom and the prayer that God puts in women of God. And so, uh, Lady Phyllis, God bless you. God bless you, woman of God. And so I honor them. I'm so glad to be here. To the folks who have helped me out, Deacon Edwards, Sister Sheila, Sister Carlissa, thank you so much for this invitation. Sister C, thank you for every arrangement. Y'all have been so kind. And last but not least, can you make some noise for this incredible youth department, man? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Listen, I love the dancers every year, but I'm gonna tell you what my favorite part was. When they hit the Millie Rock on them though, I was like, look, this is what I came for. Cause see, listen, I'm a church kid, but I like my church with a lot of Pentecostal on top and just a side of ratchet. I just need a side of ratchet. It's like Wingstop with the ranch. I need it, I need it fam, you know? And so I was like, whoa, we could do that here? Like we went from church dancing to like, I was like, oh my goodness, I love it here. I love it. We can do both. That was my side of ratchet. I was like, yes, Jesus. It wasn't yes. It was yes, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually really serious, family. Okay. Can we bless God for missionary Washington who just did a fantastic job this morning? God bless you who just preached us happy. To First Lady, God bless you, and thank you for being with us today. And to Sister Chanel, just, I mean, just ripped, man. Just ripped. You know I got real when she kicked the shoes off. It was over, fam. When she hit that Patti LaBelle on you, that Fantasia, the shoes are gone. Oh, fam, it's lit now. We're in the presence. The shoes are off. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Exodus chapter 13, meet me there, and I pray that you will bear with me. There is a word from the Lord in Exodus 13 and the 17th verse. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them, watch this, not through the way of the land of Philistines, although that was near. Another location would have said, although that was easier, although that was closer, although the distance was less, he didn't lead them that way. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent or turn back when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness. That's how they ended up going through the Red Sea, through the way of the wilderness where this sea happened to be. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and you will carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now I want to go to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. Verse three says this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. 
knowing that tribulation works patience. And then when you have enough patience, that patience will bring about experience. And a combination of life experiences develops in you hope. And hope, Paul says, maketh not ashamed. Hope will not embarrass you. Hope will not leave you with your expectations unfulfilled. Hope will not leave you being made a mockery of. Why? Not just because hope is good, but because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to repeat after me my subject for this morning. Say, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm just growing. I'm just growing. Uh, would you just get in your mind? You know, people are very interesting when you start to grow. Because parts of you are emerging that they've never seen before, they start to freak out. They, they aren't really concerned because they are used to the you that they've always dealt with. And so now that some other things are happening, they don't quite know how to engage with you. And this is why some people leave your life. It is not because there was anything you did wrong. It's just because they don't know how to deal with the you that is emerging. And so sometimes you have to have those conversations with people to let them know, look, I ain't mad at you. I know I don't really turn up like that no more. It ain't nothing. That's it. See, the mic wants to know the mic didn't have anything wrong. The mic wasn't upset. The mic wasn't disturbed. If it could talk, it would say, hey, Princeton, I'm just growing, man. Don't don't worry. I, I'd be out sometimes, but the mic would tell me, Princeton, listen, I'm not trying to mess up your flow. I know you got a lot to say, but listen, it's nothing against you. I kind of go out every now and then because because I'm growing. Would you imagine those people who are in your life and circle that don't quite know how to interact with you and just tell them, say, don't worry, fam. I'm just growing. Oh, imagine there are some haters who believe that because you have taken a down season, they think that you're down for the count. Maybe you're in between jobs right now. Maybe you're in between relationships. Maybe you're trying to figure out your next move. And so you're doing less. And people who don't like you will think that this is what they always wanted. That finally, your life is not as good as it used to be because they, they were quite jealous of you. Now, would you just get those people in mind and say, don't worry. I'm just growing. All right, now focus for me. Because I want you to say this one more time. But this time, it's not to somebody else. Because sometimes we get so accustomed to talking to our neighbor in church that we don't receive the right word for us. So we got that out, right? We got out the whole people and haters. You know, in, in black church, like you have to say haters like two times a sermon so that people think that you preach, right? Like we, we love the concept of, and, and in reality, like your, your haters are mostly imaginary. Like not that many people care about what's going on in your life. Like let's just, is that too much? It's the truth, fam. Like you, you imagine them because... You know, you like, it's amazing how much we like people to have beef with us. Like, oh, she posted that. It's about me. No, fam. She posted it because that's how she felt today, dude. Like, she's not trying to get you back or insult you, fam. She's living her life. So we got that out. This message is not about that. Because let me help you. The person who is most afraid of your development is you. The person who is most afraid of changing is us. So if you're standing, you can have a seat. Here's what I want you to do before I dig into this. Close your eyes. 
Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes real quick. I'm going to count to three, and you're going to talk to yourself. And when I count to three, you're going to say your first name. You're going to literally imagine that you are talking to an outer body you. You're going to say your first name, and you're going to say, don't worry, you're just growing. Because a lot of you is afraid of this season. Because you've never been this hurt before. You've never been this broke before. You've never been this long out of a relationship before. You've never been this uncomfortable. And all that pain you're experiencing is real close to making you give up. Because you think that God is killing you when he's really growing you. So you have to practice talking to yourself. Every eye is closed. This is not about other people. If you focus on other people, you're going to miss the blessing of this word. On the count of three, you're going to say your own name. You're going to talk to yourself, and you're going to say, don't worry, you're just growing. Ready? One, two, three. Princeton, don't worry, you're just growing. So, you know, pastor said, I'm, I'm 24. And yeah, I'm getting old, fam. That pause, I felt it. I felt your judgment. You're like, ooh, he done got old. He started coming to us when he was young. And now, as I develop and mature, I'm spending a lot more time with myself and just kind of discovering and learning about anybody can know what you do well. That's cool, right? But I don't trip off that stuff. I don't think about Disney when I go to bed at night. <laughs> I think about some ways that I've actually been quite unhealthy and quite toxic in my approach to life, to ministry, and to relationships and things around me. One of the things I realized in this last season I was doing wrong, a lot of it was on an emotional level, but some of it was on a physical level. Like I just did not rest and did not take good care of myself. And so in some, some counseling and some conversations and some classes and stuff, I realized how important rest is as an act of worship, right? Let me, and I'm going to slide this in. I don't have time for this, but if you don't rest, it's really a sign of your lack of faith because you believe that you hold up your own life. So you think if I take a day to rest, my life's going to fall apart. Well, whose hands is your life in? So I realized that my lack of rest was actually a part of a God complex, right? This idea that I have to do this stuff to keep this going or to make myself a value. So one of the things I started doing, I started going to the gym, right? I love the gym. I love the gym, fam. I really do. You know, and so I'm, I'm trying to get my, my, my swag right. You know, I'm trying to get the whole, like, you know, he saved and he fine. You know, I just, I'm trying to just, I'm just trying to dial at, you know, I'm just, <laughs> is that okay? Is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, if the Lord let me go in the direction I want, you know, the more you bless me, the tighter my suits are going to become in Jesus name. No, I'm just joking. Maybe. So I was in the gym, right? And what I learned is that everything has a culture. So there is a gym culture that I did not know because I hadn't been in the gym consistently for any amount of time. And so now I'm doing the gym thing. consistently. I learned like there's a gym culture, right? The first thing is like people really put together outfits for the gym. Like they really spend time. Like what color do I want these leggings to be? Like people go buy gym shoes. Like I was in the gym one time. <laughs> I remember looking at this dude and I was like, those are some $400 shoes that 
this dude brought to work out in? Like, and so that's the first thing. The first rule of gym culture is that people actually care about what they wear to the gym. Now, me, I'm still wearing the shorts that I wore in high school PE, you know? <laughs> and the reason why I can wear them now is because I didn't get any use out of them then. God bless my struggling, asthmatic heart in high school PE. So that's the first thing I learned about gym culture. The other thing I learned about gym culture is that guys don't typically communicate with other guys in the gym a lot unless you're asking them, hey, bro, how many more reps you got? <laughs> I learned that was a real thing. And like first, this is how much I was in the gym. I didn't know what he was asking about, fam. He walked up this machine. He was like, hey, bro, how many more reps you got? And I, I was like, uh, I represent Jesus. I don't, my reps are at home. Reps. I mean, I work, but I can't afford PR people just yet. My reps are, right? So people ask you, what's your reps? Here's the last thing I learned about gym culture, dude. You can work out for an hour and hurt for three days after. All you put in is an hour, fam. And three days, you'd be like, Lord. Stuff in me hurt I didn't know was in there. Isn't it amazing how a small event can cause long-term pain? Isn't it amazing how it only takes realistically about five minutes for you to be cheated on? But, but you could be hurting for quite a few years after that. It's not what happens to you that hurts. It's the feeling of disorientation after. Like, like the event only takes a little bit, but but the struggle of, of who am I now? How did I get here? It takes them maybe a day to draft up the letter for you that you're being terminated. And the conversation takes 10 minutes. But the struggle of now, how will you provide? And who are you without a job? Can cause long-term sexualized violence could really only take two minutes. And if I'm being honest, it could really be in one inappropriate comment a coworker makes. It's not just rape that sexualized violence. Some of the things we say to people we're cool with at work has the same mental effect. It only takes one comment on somebody's clothes or somebody's body that you shouldn't be paying that much attention to. And that one comment, that, that one manifestation of sexualized violence, language, or mindset could have long-term impact on how you see yourself, how you see members of the same sex and the opposite sex, how you come to understand your value. And when you're in that type of long-term pain, what it does is it starts to mess with your perspective. If you're taking notes, start here. The danger of pain is that it could make you lose your perspective. If you're taking notes, start there. The danger of pain is that it can make you lose all sense of healthy perspective. And now the things that seem that you know are bad for you seem to bring healing. 
and you ignore the side effects. You, you, you ignore the hangover. You ignore the fact that you have opened yourself back up to your ex. You ignore the fact that you're doing some stuff that could probably get you caught up legally. You're ignoring the fact that you are confiding in someone that could be using your vulnerability as a trap for you later. You miss the side effects. Why? Because in pain, I just, and can I tell you that the reason why I don't trip off of our generation, the reason why I don't trip about people who have left the church or people who don't like God or people, whatever is going on in their life and how they express it is because I know that behind 97% of what we do is pain. Behind 97% of what we do is a generation of people crying, will anything make it stop? Because pain makes you lose perspective. Who am I? Who is God? Who is my family? Who is my neighbor? What is the church, fam? And so when people go into that season of doubt, it's not because they just hate God or hate the church. No, fam, you got to see through that stuff and see somebody who's trying to do whatever they can to regain perspective of their life that pain caused them to lose. Pain makes you lose perspective. When your dad leaves, you don't know how to look at men the same anymore. Can I be straight up with you and let you know that when you have issues with a father, one of the biggest things that attacks is your ability to understand God. Because the greatest thing you could ever know God is as father. But if mine screwed up, how can I understand him to be one? So you're hurt and you have what's called disorientation. That disorientation can very much so lead to what I have experienced, which is a mild form of depression. You see me here now preaching to you, but you've never seen the Princeton who doesn't want to get out of bed. You've never seen or heard or met the Princeton who gave up preaching for a little bit because he, he felt like, nah, for six months, fam, I, I can't do it because my pain has disoriented me and I don't have a perspective of what to preach or a perspective about how to be this guy that you think I am or fulfill all of your expectations and pain will make you lose perspective. I was uh, hanging and working out with my, with my friend Dante. He is an organist at the church where I serve. And Dante, I love because for me, we was able to hang out and connect because I've done music like pretty much my entire life. I started preaching at four, I was licensed at seven, and then I started playing drums right after that. And then by 13, I was playing keys and organ. So I've done music my entire life. So Dante and I connected. I help him with music, but what I love about Dante, this dude is like worked with the ambulance, like he is fit, like the dude is ripped. So when I started doing my gym thing, we hung out at the choir rehearsal, and I was like, Dante, put me on, fam. Like, you know, body goals, help a brother out, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get the suits tighter in Jesus' name. And so what happened was Dante's <laughs> Dante said, okay, bro, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you work out with me. We're going to go to the Santa Monica stairs. I was like, Dante, bet. And he was like, bet. And I was like, bet. We was like, stairs, bet. In Jesus' name, bet. No, we didn't. We didn't actually say that. I just wanted to say that in a sermon, and I just did. And I had a lot of fun while doing it. And so... <laughs> This will be the last time y'all invite me. So here's the thing. We went to Santa Monica stairs, fam, and these stairs were ridiculous. And he said to me, he said, we're going to try to do 10 times, five on the small ones, five on the cement ones, and we're going to do push-ups in between. Now, because I'm all about this life, I'm like, let's go, bet. Again, I didn't say that in real life. I said, absolutely, praise God, okay? So we do the Santa Monica stairs, right? Now, I'm walking down the stairs. I'm walking down the stairs. Okay, that was, that was cool. Uh, going up. Was, was, was a challenge, fam. 
So there, there was that. Then we did the whole thing again. By the third time, I started going down and I put my right foot on the next step as we naturally tend to do. And my right foot said, you thought? <laughs> I stepped on that and it did this jello thing I had never experienced before. I stepped and it did one of them. And I was like, is this the Holy Ghost? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> But I kept going. Now, here's the whole point of the story. Dante said something to me I'll never forget. Those were on the wooden stairs. We went to the cement ones. And I was determined. Dante, we said, Tim, we're going to get as close to that as I can. We're doing the cement stairs. I was going up, and it was the last two. And I was having trouble breathing. And you know how you, you start to stop and let other people pass by you? And Dante said to me something I'll never forget. He said, bro, it's all mental from here. I'll never forget that as long as I live. As long as I live. He said, you're going to have two choices. Essentially, he was arguing to me that you're getting two messages. A message from your body that will tell you stop because of the discomfort. Or a message from your mind that will say keep going because of the reward. Godly. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. In this season of your life while you grow, you're going to get two messages. There's going to be one that says stop because of the discomfort. This hurts too much. I'm too lonely. I'm too frustrated. And your body is going to send you a message that says get out. Get out of the relationship. Get out of the church. Get out of your faith in God. Get out of your degree program. And that's going to be one message. But the other message is going to come from your mind that says I know you're hurt. I know you're in pain. But keep going for the reward. Why? Because I'm just growing. Somebody shout I'm just growing. Hey, Baba, hey, yes, Lord. If you only see it as pain, it will cripple you. But if you see it as an opportunity to be developed into the you you always wanted to be, it will grow you. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Changing the way you see your circumstance doesn't make it hurt less. It just makes it hurt with a purpose. I want you to write that down. Okay? Changing the way you see your circumstance does not make it hurt less. Please trust me. It is still going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt when you pass your friend's pictures on social media and it looks like they're doing better than you. It's going to hurt when you're going through life and still feel like you don't fit. It's going to hurt when you go to a father-daughter dance and don't have yours. It's going to hurt when you have to bury a loved one. It's going to hurt when God interrupts your plans. It's going to hurt. And changing the way you see it does not make it hurt less. This is not some message to make you apathetic, to make you just pretend like life is gravy. No. If anything, you need to embrace that tension head on. It is not that it's going to hurt less, but changing the way you see your circumstance will make it hurt with a purpose. Now, here's the reason why purpose is important, and I'm, I'm moving way too slow for the word that I have. Purpose is important because it keeps you in a direction. That's why you have to control the way you see it, because if you lose your perspective, you will stop going towards something. This is why people give up. It's not because of the pain. It's because they lost their purpose for enduring. 
They didn't leave because of how bad they were hurt. They left because it stopped looking worth it. If you're struggling and, and processing a, a breakup, what might be a good part of that processing is to figure out what things were happening in the relationship or what things was I doing that made it feel like to them it wasn't worth it to stay. Because people will endure for what they believe there is purpose. But if my actions of being problematic have outweighed my actions of purpose, then nobody wise is going to stay in something that kills them. They give up because they lost their purpose. And once you realize you've lost your purpose, you cannot be in a season where you start running to anything else to feel the pain. Because let me help you, the thing you're running to is just another kind of pain. Let me say it again. When you are hurt and you run to something else that just looks so much better, the perspective you need to have is that whatever it is you're running to is just another kind of pain. I'm not going to be one of those religious people that says that sin is not fun. If sin ain't fun, why people stay in it so long? Duh. Because it's fun, it was lit, and we had a great time. Duh. And we're going to do it again on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday next week, man. Because it's fun. But it's just another kind of pain. It brings with it its own set of challenges that once you navigate them long enough, you're like, uh, this leaves me worse off than the situation I was trying to medicate. So the purpose of this message is to help you see that the pain you are experiencing right now is to grow you, not kill you. And what I love is, even if it do kill me, I serve a God of resurrection. Now, when we get to unpack this. Now, let me help you understand that a part of dealing with this and knowing that you are growing is a heart issue. Everybody say heart issue. It is a heart issue issue. Now, the beginning of growing is when you recognize that the growth that needs to happen is not in any other area except your heart. When we're hurt, we do everything. I'm going to be straight up with you, fam. A lot of the gym did have some of that in it, right? Like I wanted to be more healthy. I wanted to be a better steward of my body. But a lot of it was this idea um, that, that maybe I can love myself more if I look better, right? There are a lot of those things that we do that we feel like this will solve it. If I made more money, if I finally got married, if I just went and got another degree, right? And when vindication or when identity or processing is the beginning of why you do anything, you won't last it. You won't last through it because that's not a positive reason. It's not a positive reason to reach out for something. You have to look inside and realize that the reason why God is sending me through this is because there's some stuff in my heart that needs to be dealt with. Now, I'm going to submit this, that the reason why people end up in certain situations so long is because they dealt with everything else first and their heart last. So watch this. The heart is the one that takes the longest to deal with. So if I spend two years doing everything else and it's going to take me three years to fix my heart, do you know if your heart is fixed, it could take God five seconds to do whatever else you need him to do? Everything resides in the heart. Even holiness is a heart issue. Let me say it again, Pentecostals. Holiness is a heart issue. Appreciate you're all white, but holiness is a heart issue. 
Appreciate the fact you don't drink, smoke, more power to you. But holiness is a... Watch this. This is why the devil attacks your heart. He wants to get you so broken that there's no room for holiness to come out. we push people I say this all the time I said this back in LA don't try to talk about someone's sin until you've addressed their pain because I'm expecting you to live up to a standard broken you don't believe me I'm going to take you to the book of don't you don't have to turn there the book of Mark chapter 2 I think it is where Jesus is preaching and the room is filled and the Bible says that there are these this man who is paralyzed and his four friends bring him to Jesus they cut open the roof and they lower him because there was no other way for them to get in and Jesus looks at a man who is sick and he said your sins are forgiven thee." right now there were a couple reasons why he did that the first is because he wanted to show them that he had the authority to forgive sin right the people were around him and they were like did he just say his sins was is he tripping? Because only God could do that. And he was like, yeah, fam, exactly. Uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they were like, no, nah, man, you haven't done that. And he's like, yeah, I can, give, I can forgive sin. He said, your sins are forgiven thee, but watch this. Then after he forgave sin, he healed them. Because if I forgive you, but don't heal what injured you, you might very well go back to life before the forgiveness. why the Bible says guard your heart in Proverbs 4.23 for out of it flows the issues of life 